In a moment, I'll be joined by the Labour Party spokesperson on health, Deputy Duncan Smith. But first off, I'm joined by Seamus. As you heard, the disturbing stats in the uh, South East Radio News bulletins this morning, over 30,000 people have been on waiting lists in hospitals or for hospital treatment for over 18 months. Good morning to you, Seamus. Good morning, Alan. All your listeners. And good morning to you, Seamus. Uh, recently you went looking for a doctor in your area. I know I've asked you to just generalise a little bit first, please. So tell me about the whole process and how many calls you had to make before you actually, ma- you actually managed to get through. Well, it, it, yes, Alan, it, it, hasn't been, it hasn't been the first time that uh, this has occurred, uh, trying to get through to our local GP. Uh, I am a person who have numerous uh, disabilities, uh, a lot of things going on, a lot of conditions, um, and I'm currently uh, in attendance of nine different hospitals. I phoned my GP's practice last Monday morning, uh, couldn't get through, made 35 calls on my mobile phone and 42 calls on the landline. Now, it's only a few weeks back that my wife needed to make a, an appointment for the doctor's surgery. And we, she made over between three of us. The landline, my phone and her phone, 68 calls before the call was answered. So, uh, actually impossible yeah. to, to get through to the doctor's surgery. Now, I did get through on my seventh call. Uh, the, the answer machine just answered left me waiting for 11 minutes and then just cut off and then I had to go back and start the whole procedure again Right, and you're a pains to point out in speaking to our researcher Siobhan that you have no difficulty whatsoever you actually love the doctor you're dealing with uh, uh, you, you, you have a lot of time for the, the practice that you're dealing with no problem at all with the practice. Seamus, let, let's look at the other areas as well, please. Uh, you say you, you were attending 10 different hospitals. The stats this morning say there's waiting lists in excess of 30,000 people and a lot of children affected by this as well. How are you when it comes to the other aspects of your health problems in getting access to hospitals? 10 of them. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually impossible, Alan. Uh, I, I've received... Uh, a letter there a number of weeks ago. Uh, I'm on a waiting list for double hip replacement, left knee replacement, uh, uh, on the list for the last four years. Got a letter about two, three weeks ago asking me if I still wanted to remain on the list. Now, I suffered uh, over the last couple of years. I've had five TIAs, uh, a minor stroke last year. Just remind us what a TIA is, please. Uh, it's, uh, it's a lead-up to a stroke, Alan. Right. It's where you kind of maybe uh, lose consciousness for a while, get uh, tingling in the arms, numbness, um, you know, loads like that. Now, I suffer from, from epilepsy as well, uh, which which stemmed from that. But while, being, while in Waterford Regional uh, uh, with the stroke content, uh, my wife was sitting on the bed one day, and uh, because I've got heart conditions, pacemakers and whatever, uh, the consultant... Uh, requested an MRI, uh, which could not be done because uh, the, the pacemaker is not compatible for an MRI scan. Now, he did tell me, uh, in the presence of my wife and with his, with his junior doctors, that this could possibly be done uh, in a hospital in Northern Ireland, in Belfast. Right. But he said the waiting list, uh, now this was in 1920. Yeah. Uh, or 2020, 2020, sorry, sorry. <laughs> 
and uh, he said to me, my appointment would be in or around November 2024. It's a huge, huge issue. So the, the main problem is I'm just one. I'm just one person. There are people out there who are a lot, lot worse than me. And as I said to the receptionist uh, in the GP surgery, I said if I had been trying to make a phone call for a serious accident on the side of the road or a heart attack or something like that, I said, what, what would be the outcome? How would it happen? Well, the other, thing, yeah. the other thing you would obviously do there, uh, Seamus, uh, is dial 999. Y- yes, you, d- you dial 999, which had to be done on a couple of occasions, and immediate response, you know. But I, I've also uh, tried to have uh, dental care done. I need two teeth taken out for the last four years, and my dental practice uh, has stopped working with the HSE. I have tried, uh, and I can make all the numbers available to anybody, I've tried nine different dental practices and none of them are taking on any medical card holders. They tell you to give a ring in two or three months' time, uh, you ring again and they say, look, there's still no vacancy, so, and you can't get in. Our thanks to Seamus, who was telling me off air he has another hospital appointment this morning. I'm now joined by the Labour Party spokesperson on health, Duncan Smith TD. Good morning to you, Duncan. Good morning, Alan. How are you? Uh, I, I, we tried to patch you through to hear what Seamus was saying there. Did you manage to hear most of what he had to say, Duncan, please? Yeah, I, I did. And I, I mean, what, what, what Seamus summed up there with his own personal experience is something that you know my office and us in the Labour Party and indeed other politicians are, are hearing all over the country. I mean, Seamus, I know he—he's a, he's a patient of nine hospitals. He's a local GP, at his local GP, and he's still saying that there's other people uh, having more difficulties than he has in terms of their needs. Well, Seamus seems to have complex medical needs, but his ask was very simple: it was just to have a phone call answered, have an appointment made. And you know, despite the fact we've had perennial uh, crises in our hospitals for many, many years. It's only recently we've had this crisis in GP care and in primary care. And this, I think, is sending shockwaves uh, through the country uh, when people aren't able to get appointments with their GP, something they've been able to rely on for decades. And something I've spoken to Brendan Howland a lot about actually recently in terms of how do we actually resource our GP service uh, and how do we get a pool of GPs that are able to, in an agile and quick way, service the needs of the community. Uh, and just one other thing there that Seamus mentioned, which isn't being spoken about enough, the access to dental care. I mean, that is one of the great unspoken crises, again, of our health service at the moment. And the the, the breakdown in the relationship between the HSC and uh, uh, dental practitioners across the country. Um, you know, because oral hygiene and oral care has many links to very complex uh, medical cases. You can't get um, an open heart surgery until you've uh, visited your dentist if you, if you have fillings and stu- stuff like that. So, it's, like, this is a real crisis. And it's, we, I, have an, I have an oral question down to the Minister for Health next week on the dental care and on GPs access in particular and just trying to keep that pressure up because uh, as we've come out of COVID and we've another budget now just announced, uh, it just seems that access to primary health care is just getting worse. And just before I move away from this issue, I want to bring a statement that was sent to me by Gerard Rennings as well. The crisis in getting access to doctors is leading to an added crisis with extra general hospital because for the second week, last week I spoke uh, to the uh, doctor in charge of emergency medicine, Dr Paul Kelly. He made an impassioned plea because the hospital was under pressure. And yesterday I received from Gerard the following. He says... 
Wexford General Hospital has seen a sharp increase in the number of patients attending with COVID flu-like symptoms and admitted as inpatients as a result. The hospital management and staff were appealing to those who presented the hospital or plan to visit to please do the following. Do not visit or attend the hospital if you have COVID flu-like symptoms. Only visit if absolutely necessary and please comply with mask wearing in the hospital. The management and staff in Wexford General Hospital would like to reiterate their thanks to the general public for their support. Now, Duncan, you are the Labour Party spokesperson on health, and one of the things I would have to mention there, there are people who would have uh, cold or flu-like symptoms who possibly need uh, emergency access, so, so they would, would obviously have to attend, but if you have just the basic symptoms, I think the message is loud and clear, do not attend, but it shows once again, this health services virus is creaking at the seams. Yeah, it's been held together by by hope and bravery uh, uh, from our frontline healthcare workers. I mean, and they're absolutely burned out. The healthcare workers that I've been speaking to over the last couple of years, and um, they were burned out before COVID. The COVID experience has absolutely drained them, and now we're heading into another winter. And the advisories are coming out, and people are listening, and they will listen. But there will be people will have to present at emergency departments all across the country because. They can't get appointments for the GP care or they can't get out of hours GP care uh, either. So, I mean, it's again, we're heading into another winter of real discontent. And the winter plan, as announced by the HSC, people I'm speaking to are saying, look, it's not going to um, it, it's not going to match the need that's going to be there at our emergency departments and acute hospitals. All right. There's another question I raised with you. Maybe you could follow up on it first, please, or, or we'll get it checked out locally as well. Could you please ask your, your guest about what doctor's charges are? Now, you, you possibly can't answer this question, but I can, I, I can get it answered by the medical uh, practitioners um, my sister is fully disabled and was charged 40 euros to get a form signed with her full medical card and told to come back in two weeks to collect the form after paying the 40 euros because her GP is on two weeks holiday I've also heard of people being charged for a text I know doctors surgeries are under ferocious pressure um, but surely to God there, there could be something done in, in areas like this uh, Duncan yeah, the, the, these ancillary charges that uh, that, that uh, can be applied vary all over the country. But you know, in the midst of a cost of living crisis, where every penny uh, or cent is being counted by households, like when people need a doctor's letter, they're not getting it uh, for any frivolous reason. They're getting it because they need it for to access service. They need it for a housing list, for a housing adaptation grant, for a social protection form. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. So they need it because they're in need and they're most likely in financial need as well. So to have these charges applied, particularly for full medical card holders um, who, who are at the lower uh, socioeconomic scale, is something that we really need to look at. Uh, and I know doctor surgeries and doctor practices are under pressure and they're trying to keep the light and heat on themselves so they can provide their service. But, you know, at the, at the, at the end of the day, people are choosing between having to eat and heat at the moment. And extra charges on top of that for health uh, will push many people over the edge. I know speaking to Minister Pascal Dunning, who he's aware of the issue, he gave me a full and frank open interview, to be fair to him, when he was in Wexford recently. I talked about the whole area of further releasing many more thousands to free GP care. But, I mean, the reaction I'm getting from the doctors is they're simply not out there. So by by any government, whether it be a Labour Party in government or Sinn Féin or whatever, by throwing a pot of money at the health service, it doesn't seem to be working because a lot of the people who are, who are qualifying are leaving the country. So this seems to be a huge, huge issue that all parties need to solve. Yeah, look, there, there's, there, we've been throwing pots of money at health for, for, for many, many years. Uh, but we have a recruitment and retention crisis. There was a big uh, report on the primetime show on RT last night about it. Uh, where I live up in Dublin, there are massive, massive posters outside the major hospitals from the health service in Australia, Victoria, the state in Australia, saying, come work here. 
better pay, better conditions, better standard of living. And uh, when you have a, uh, practitioners in a burnt-out health service leaving long shifts for, for, for uh, you know, modest pay to pay high rents, seeing these huge posters there, it's very attractive to them. And we are losing people. We are losing people to the UK, to the Middle East, uh, to Canada and to, to Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and we're also losing people who are leaving the voluntary and healthcare, the voluntary sector of healthcare, the, vo- uh, the community sector of healthcare, who are leaving for other jobs and other sectors. So we, we're having this mass exodus of skills. Why is it happening, Duncan? Why is it happening? Uh, it's a combination of things. One, the the conditions of work are very difficult, particularly in our acute hospitals. The hours are long. Uh, the the pay at some levels just isn't isn't meeting the cost of living. Um, the housing crisis. I I met a chief executive of one of the major hospitals in Dublin recently, and he said, he said "Look, it's housing, it's housing, it's housing." And the hospital themselves are looking at plans to provide housing uh, for uh, for for nursing staff and healthcare assistants and that uh, in the, in the years ahead. So if you can't afford to live in the place where you need to work, um, you're not going to work there. Uh, so this, uh, like, I don't say everything comes back to housing, but our housing crisis is, is a key uh, factor in our recruitment and retention crisis in our health service as well as many other sectors. And until we get to the root of that, until we actually look at the practices, listen to the reports last night from the non-hospital consultant doctors on primetime last night who say even the systems that they use in our Irish healthcare system in terms of uh, radi- uh, radiology services and x-ray services, the fact they're not being centralised, it just makes their conditions of work and their ability to be in front of the patient, helping the patient, curing the patient, more difficult. So it's, 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 a, it's a many many and varied reasons as to why we have this recruitment and retention crisis in our, in our health service. But we have to tackle them. Um, and I think there's a lack of faith in, in mm. politics and politicians to do that. So we all need to step up, government and opposition, to provide real leadership on this. Yeah. Uh, and that's something we all need to all do. All parties, independents, everybody, all media outlets, we all need to try and, and do our bit to try and do what we can to ease what I'm getting from the text line here is a massive issue. Just before we conclude, can I just get a quick summary on the motion that was brought forward uh, for an immediate timeline and guarantee to process for engagement with workers in the community and voluntary sector? I'm, I'm a bit caught for time, Duncan. Can you just give me an update uh, okay. on this? Look, yep. very important. We've 80,000 workers all over the country who are providing care in disability service and homeless service, addiction services. You'll know them. You'll know the Irish Wheelchair Association, Enable Ireland. They'll be in your community. They'll be employment groups. I had a big conversation with George Lawler about this down in Wexford, I think, in a few weeks ago. They are outside any pay negotiation structures with the state. All we were asking was that these workers who provide on a voluntary community basis vital services that back up our healthcare system which as we've discussed is under duress and in crisis that they are afforded the right to bargain for better pay they haven't had a pay increase the vast majority since 2008 so it is it is industrial relations it's labor territory it's what we want and we have a commitment from the minister based on our motion that she will open a process and we are going to push that through to make sure that happens it won't happen overnight but we are committed to this because these workers provide vital services to the most vulnerable in our society and that's who we need to be held